There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. This is a WTOP original podcast. Coming up on this episode of Target USA, seven people, including four suspected Hamas members, were arrested in Europe, in Denmark, Germany, and the Netherlands a week ago on suspicion of planning attacks on Jewish institutions in Europe. What's interesting about this is this plot didn't take place after the October 7th massacre and the subsequent attacks that Israel launched in Gaza. It was planned, according to authorities, months in advance. Which means that this activation of the cells in Germany and in Denmark um, is potentially also part of a broader plan, i.e. Hamas preparing also attacks in Europe ahead of its attacks in Israel. So why did they do that? And what's next? Dr. Hans Jacob Schindler, Senior Director at the Counter-Extremism Project, joins us with more. That's coming up in this episode of Target USA. From WTOP in Washington, D.C., this is Target USA. America has a target on its back. And on this program, we investigate the threats, the people behind them, the agencies fighting them, and the impact on you. This is Target USA. The National Security Podcast. I'm J.J. Green. Seven people, including four suspected Hamas members, were arrested in Europe, in Denmark, Germany, and the Netherlands a week ago on suspicion of planning attacks on Jewish institutions in Europe. The arrests were made as Israel has continued to press ahead with its operation to destroy Hamas in the Gaza Strip. Now, what's interesting about this is this plot didn't take place after the October 7th massacre and the subsequent attacks that Israel launched in Gaza. It was planned, according to authorities, months in advance. Joining us to talk about this is Dr. Hans Jacob Schindler, Senior Director at the Counter-Extremism Project. Dr. Schindler, how did this go? Yeah, so thank you so much for having me. Always a pleasure to be uh, with you. Uh, Here are the facts. Last week, um, both in Berlin, three individuals, and in Rotterdam, Netherlands, another individual, one Hamas cell was arrested. In parallel, in Denmark, three additional individuals also linked to Hamas, but a different Hamas cell were arrested. Um, it turns out that both cells were in preparation of terror attacks against Jewish installations in Europe, not just Germany, Denmark, and Netherlands, but across Europe. Um, the reason why these individuals were arrested at this point were they were looking for arm, ammunition, and weapons dumps that apparently Hamas had made somewhere east of Berlin, potentially in Eastern Europe. And luckily, these individuals were not able to find those arms, but were continuing to search for them. So in order to make sure that they don't reach the arms and therefore don't have the means to conduct these attacks, these individuals were arrested at this particular point. After they were arrested... People 
authorities began to search. And when they conducted these searches, what did they find? Yes, several apartments were searched uh, in Berlin, as well as in Denmark, as well as the apartment of the individual in Rotterdam. It turned up uh, some very interesting material, including ice packs, ice packs that contain ammonium nitrate and are very similar, apparently, to ice packs that were recovered in an operation against a Hezbollah uh, ammunition dump. Uh, in Cyprus in 2015 already. So just as a reminder, ammonium nitrate is the chemical of choice for many terrorist operations um, that uh, use IEDs. Because ammonium nitrate, apart from being a next to miracle fertilizer in the agriculture industry, is also highly explosive. And the reason why there is a lot of renovations in Beirut going on is that a large dump of ammonium nitrate exploded there um, a couple of years ago. So it's very highly explosive. But of course, it is also a highly controlled substance in Europe. And hence, buying ice packs is a less obvious way to obtain ammonium nitrate than trying to buy fertilizers or ammonium nitrate itself. In addition, it also turned out um, that the Hamas preparations for these attacks did not start after the 7th of October but very obviously many months earlier, early this year in spring 2023, which means that this activation of the cells in Germany and in Denmark um, is potentially also part of a broader plan, i.e. Hamas preparing also attacks in Europe ahead of its attacks in Israel, um, meaning you know, you would then at the later stages in which we are of the conflict with Israel, activate those cells and ask them to attack Jewish targets, to increase the pressure on governments, to then in turn increase the pressure on Israel to stop the military operations before Hamas can be destroyed. Okay, um, help me with this uh, connection here. So you're saying these cells were created a long time ago, a while ago. Was it a possibility that this was supposed to, this plot that was discovered was supposed to coincide with October uh, 7th or be around that time or before? Or what do you make of no, it? No, it, it, it looks, looks very much more likely that these cells were activated in spring to go and find those weapons. It was clear that they apparently not that easy to find. They hadn't luckily found them and they're arrested now in, uh, in November. But um, that it is very likely that the attacks were supposed to come around this time. And that's why the arrests were happening um, as a means of uh, a next stage of uh, Hamas's war against Israel, i.e. no longer just fighting in Gaza, but broadening the conflict out against Jewish targets also in Europe. Um, you know, so far, the going assumption, and this is really the very first time Hamas would have conducted a terror attack in Europe in its history since its inception. So far, um, the absolutely reasonable assumption of all the security forces in Europe was that Hamas would see Europe absolutely as a rest and recuperation area, an area where you can create political networks, that you bring people on the streets to do demonstrations, that you try to politically influence governments, but also that you raise finances, but it would not see Europe as an area in which you would conduct a terror attack. 
and this two cells now really prove a couple of points. Number one, um, of course, Hamas always as a contingency plan seems to have seen Europe as a potential area of attacks. Why otherwise would you organize ammunition dumps and, and weapons dumps in Europe? For what purpose? Israel is far away. Secondly, that there is a point now in Gaza where Hamas feels it will have to activate those contingency plans, which means, in my interpretation is, Hamas is really with its back against the wall in Gaza and needs Israel to stop major military operations as soon as possible because it now really loses key aspects of the infrastructure. It fears that key commanders, those who have not yet been killed, and those are still at large and definitely wanted by Israel, Sinwa and Daif, are at risk of being captured. So it needs more international pressure, which is, as you know, slowly growing against Israel to stop military operations now, not in two weeks, not in three weeks now. And these attacks were most likely part of that pressure campaign. One of the things that took place in the U.S. after 9-11 was this wave of fear about a second wave or a third wave of attacks. Israel has said that this attack on October 7th was their their version of a 9-11, and they said it was worse, clearly. Um, so it looks as though, Dr. Schindler, you're saying that uh, Hamas maybe have had planned another wave of attacks, maybe not necessarily in, in, in Israel, but other places, to push their point. And this plot being exposed has disrupted that. Do you get the sense or do you have concerns that there may even be another wave or others in, in planning? Yeah, I mean, clearly there is a quite significant supporter base for Hamas in Europe, right? So in Germany, um, the Internal Domestic Intelligence Services publicly stated that about 450 individuals are considered actual Hamas members, supporters, not sympathizers, but actually people who actively work with Hamas. That's Germany alone, right? So yes, of course, this arrest of the two cells um, disrupted certainly the plans of those two, two cells. Whether this is all, no one really knows at this particular point. I would think it is fairly unlikely that it is all that Hamas has prepared. Again, Clearly, Hamas made contingency plans to have an, an, uh, weapons and ammunition dump and to slowly collect explosive materials over time, even before you have the attack on 7th of October, is, a, for me, a long-term contingency plan. Longer than that attack. You know, for the day where we are in a very dire situation and we need to do whatever we can. So, clearly the risk of further operational cells that have yet to be discovered in Europe is high. Dr. Schindler, one of the things that took place during the Cold War, and we learned about this through some very um, in-depth um, documents that were smuggled out of the former Soviet Union by a couple of defectors, that the uh, Soviets peppered Europe and the United States with these dumps, places where they would hide weapons, not just bombs, but sometimes firearms, sometimes, you know, other types of 
things that could be used for weapons. Um, this looks very similar to that. And um, so I don't want to get off track here because th that's not your, that's not what you're here to talk about. But you talked in the early days of this conflict uh, in Israel, between Israel and Gaza, about how they had learned from other organizations and other situations, in fact, from Ukraine, perhaps. So talk about how Hamas may have actually been studying um, ways and methodologies to, to launch attacks. I mean, for sure. I mean, Hamas is in the terrorism business now since 1988. So it's been, you know, a terror organization from the get-go, right? Um, so obviously it looked at what other group has done. It thought through various scenarios. Um, it knows that it has a quite large sympathizer uh, scene here. And as one of my colleagues in Germany, Dr. Guido Steinberg, always says, regional terror groups are only regional until they decide they're not longer anymore regional. Right. So the ideology of Hamas is not just concentrated or exclusively focusing on the state of Israel. That's just one part. That's step one. We've discussed this, I think, earlier. There are an outgrow of the Muslim Brotherhood. And the Muslim Brotherhood looks for an Islamic state, a caliphate in all of the globe. So really, theoretically, there is no boundaries to where Hamas wants to operate. Hamas also wants to kill all Jews. That includes, by definition, Jews that are not living in Israel. Right? So this is not an anti-Israel movement. This is an anti-Jewish movement who wants to erect, essentially then, if possible, a global, a global Islamic state. And therefore, every area is only priority-wise, maybe more of an attack area and more of a rest and recuperation area. And Europe seems to very distinctly have switched from the uh, former to the later. So we are now part of the attack envelope of where Hamas thinks it should operate. So could you give us a sense then, or help us to understand what Israel and its allies should do now, or would do now? What what are they likely thinking of doing in, in, in view of this information you've just shared, which I don't think a lot of people have, have, have recognized this or knew this beforehand, that this very likely is a much bigger, could be a much bigger operation than just the October 7th situation. Yeah, so I mean, clearly, and this is something uh, when we're looking at Hamas finances as uh, something even more obvious than before, is that Hamas was not a super priority target for counterterrorism operations for anyone outside Israel. Um, not for the United States, not for the European Union. Um, you can see the paucity of the counterterrorism sanctions against Hamas, both on the US side, where it's a little bit more, in the European side, where it's distinctly less, um, when it comes to terrorism, counter-terrorism financing operations, very few in the United States, even fewer in, the, in, in Europe, most of them, interestingly, in Germany. Um, so it was not a priority target. And so what happens now, and hopefully continues to happen until we are up to speed again, is the prioritization of looking into these networks. And I think the arrests in Germany, which came on a tip off of a friendly services, um, you know, inofficially it said it was the Mossad who helped, um, really should be a wake up call to say, okay, we do have 450 individuals and we do have other threats. We have the threat from the Islamic State who's trying to conduct terror attacks. We had 
two two arrests in Germany in the last four weeks. We had two successful IS attacks, one in France, one in Belgium in the last eight weeks. Uh, that's still a threat as well, but we also now need to much more diligently and much more detailed look at what these Hamas sympathizers are doing. The challenge with all of this is that it's no longer confined to Hamas itself in Europe. Um, you have a, a conflagration of other Islamist groups who are trying to be free riders on this situation, um, including groups like Hitzduk Tahir, who also want to <laughs> do a caliphate uh, um, uh, in the world. But also you have free riders from the extreme left who are very happily um, supporting Hamas sympathizers in Europe. So you're actually looking at two or three phenomena at the same time. It is definitely, I think, a extremely difficult time for European intelligence services because the target environment is quite rich. We have at the moment the last days before Christmas, so we have very many uh, places where people congregate, whether it's Christmas markets or Christmas shopping, there are large-scale concerts that are going on. So this is um, one of the more tense times that I've seen since I'm working counterterrorism in Europe. Dr. Schindler, would you give us a comparison then looking at what we've learned and what we're seeing and what you and your team have uh, figured out uh, about Hamas? Give us a comparative look between them and the other terror groups that are out there that are on the radar at this point? So, unfortunately, 2022, 2023 were, in inverted commas, good years for international terrorism, right? On the one hand, you have the astonishingly growth of Al-Qaeda and the Islamic State in Africa. You have a very active Islamic State affiliate in Afghanistan, ISKP, who so far made three attempts to conduct terrorist attacks in Germany in the last four years. Um, you have at the same time a conflict in Ukraine in which the Russian side is letting loose all its right-wing extremist terrorist groups. Any, we are doing a quite diligent analysis of these non-state actors on the Russian side of the front for a couple of months now, and um, the number of groups is staggering outside the US uh, Russian military, outside Wagner. Um, who are all from the extreme right-wing phenomena, are influential also with extreme right-wing in Europe, in Western Europe, and therefore, you know, access to arms, access to ammunition, uh, trained fighters, um, that conflict is producing. So that's another really major concern. And then since the attack in Gaza, you have the extreme left, um, which has been shifting since 2020, at least in Germany, from a emphasis on attacking simply things, cars, buildings, shops, uh, companies, to attacking actually human beings, i.e. policemen, security personnel, representatives of the state. All of this comes together in this heated situation where, as I said, on the one hand, the extreme left seems to be quite comfortable to support the, Islam the extreme Islamist uh, and is uh, Islamist terrorists trends, right? They meet in their anti-Semitism. One hand, it's anti-Semitism. On the other hand, it's anti-Semitism as defined as a fight against the big imperial power U.S. in, you know, in this, in this version of the narrative represented by Israel in this particular case. And then all of this uh, is, is then, you know, counteracted by extreme right-wing guys. So 
I wouldn't want to hesitate to say what is the biggest threat to Europe because the Islamic State and Al-Qaeda do this via lone actors, as we've seen in Germany, by individuals who are here, who are part of the milieu, but are not part of the formal structure. Hamas tries to do the same thing, but apparently, as we learned with these arrests, also has actual terrorist cells already on our ground. And then we have arrests of, of German terror cells from the right wing pretty much every month as well. So all of this happens at the same time. That's why the president of the Domestic Intelligence Service uh, in Germany called this a extremely tense and extremely diffuse threat environment in which we find ourselves. The United States um, FBI National Counterterrorism Center and DHS have uh, pushed out another bulletin today. Actually, they did a PSA. They did a PSA last week for the public. But today we've learned they put another bulletin out internal warning of um, that the threat of some kind of terror activity during the holidays is growing. And I'm wondering, do you believe, are you seeing something like that there in Germany, in Europe right now, the same kind of concern? Yeah, that's the worry, of course, right? So, I mean, if you think about in the past, before Al-Qaeda, before 9-11, if you talked about Islamist terrorism, it was all Palestinian, right? So this is, this is a known problem set, and we know how horrible this can go wrong. Um, if you remember the 60s, 70s, 80s, we had Palestinians taking the... Uh, uh, taking airplanes hostages, right? We had a very bad cooperation between Palestinians and Soviet Union-supported terrorists when they took the OPEC meeting in Vienna hostage. So, I mean, this is uh, this is a terrorism phenomenon um, that can you know, cause enormous amount of damage. So, obviously, there is also worry that increased travel in between and before the holidays, uh, increased congregation of people, um, uh, before the holidays and in between the holidays um, is, is going to be a problem. So everyone is really on high alert at the moment. Anything you want to add that I haven't asked you about that you think is important? One thing I would say is we still are not fast enough countering the financing of Hamas that happens in Europe. Um, we've seen moves by the German government. They banned a group called Samidun, which is a crossover between left-wing extremism and Palestinian uh, terrorism, um, actually a supporter for what they call political prisoners, which is a typical extreme left-wing uh, organizational purposes, um, which supported the PFLP and Hamas. Um, however, we have not seen subsequent uh, structures being banned in Germany or, for that matter, anywhere else in Europe. Um, we have not seen assets being frozen fast enough. We've not seen a lot of new sanctions against Hamas's business interests in Algeria, in Sudan, in Saudi Arabia, in the UAE, and in Turkey. Um, and I would like to remind everyone, Turkey is a NATO member um, and has very clearly positioned itself on the side of Hamas for whatever unimaginable reason. Uh, President Erdogan called Hamas freedom fighters and allows these finances of Hamas to continue to operate on its ground. The response of 
the Turkish government when Israel announced that it's of course also trying to get Hamas leaders outside uh, uh, Israel, uh, Gaza and the Palestinian territories. The Turkish government said that all hell would break loose if anyone would be harmed inside Turkey. Right? This is a incredible behavior of a NATO, NATO member. We still have Qatar hosting the top leadership and we're not clear on how much Qatar is actually preventing the finances to flow from its territory. Um, certainly those leaders don't seem to have any financial problem at this point. So we are still on the fast, fast Hamas money and I'm always saying there is no real big terrorism without big money, especially when you talk about hierarchical organizations such as Hamas. And we still seem to be lagging behind this. This is something that the international community has to do if it wants to support Israel in really weakening Hamas. Israel can only do what Israel can do inside Israel. That is taking away the physical territory, uh, terror infrastructure. That can be rebuilt if there is money. And it is on us, the international community, the Europeans, the North Americans, but also you know our NATO allies, uh, first and foremost, and our major non-NATO allies like Qatar to make sure that they don't have the money to rebuild that infrastructure. And lastly, I will never tire to point out all of this single actor phenomenon that we see as far as terrorist attacks is concerned. Every single time, social media and messenger services play the decisive role. And these platforms have not been good actors after the 7th of October. They are not stopping Hamas propaganda. They are not stopping Hamas incitement. And there is no platform which is doing it well at this particular point, despite statements. So this is not helpful. If the security services have to watch that many individuals and have to take care that individuals radicalize online and then knife down people in the street. This is overloading the system slowly but surely. These platforms cannot in this criminal way neglect their duty to protect societies from harm. And they do. We're clearly in a new era of terrorism, much like the era that we were in around the time of 9-11. We'll stay on top of it. That's it for this episode of Target USA. Coming up in our next episode. Four things are at the top of our list, and we'll do one of them, all of them, or maybe something else, depending on what takes place. But we're looking at the war in Israel. But we're looking at the war between Israel and Hamas, the war in Ukraine, the possibility of terrorism in the U.S., and the situation regarding Paul Whelan being held in Russia. That's coming up on the next episode of Target USA. In the meantime, if you have any questions or comments about the program, send me an email. You can reach me at jgreen at wtop.com. The letter J, the color green, one word, at Whiskey Tango Oscar Papa. jgreen at wtop.com. Also, please subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Twitter. We're at TUSA Podcast. That's at Tango Uniform Sierra Alpha Podcast. And if you want more national security news, you can sign up for my newsletter. It's called Inside the Skiff, and you can sign up at WTOP.com slash email. I'm J.J. Green, and this is Target USA. The National Security Podcast.